Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. SNL with Ryan Gosling is over, but we are just getting started here on Saturday Night Live, live here on Post Show Recaps. And now here are the two guys who will not be urinating in a steel bowl at any point. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? I'm good. Good. If we can get through the entire recap without breaking, I think we'll do pretty well today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not a big problem if we are. I, I think I think we'll be OK. Okay, good, good, good. The audience but, um, likes uh, it. They get, oh, yeah. they get excited if that happens. Anyway, oh, yeah. uh, here's a shocker. I have a whole opinion about it. We'll get to it. Great. We'll get to it. <laughs> great. Well, we'll be talking about the first of three new SNLs here in the month of December with Ryan Gosling as the host and uh, so much to get to. I thought it was a pretty fun show last night, but looking forward to hearing uh, what you have to say, Rich, along the way. How have you been? Uh, good, good. It's been a, been a really fun couple of weeks, although I missed it and I'm excited to be back. And I agree. I thought this was a nice, fun episode. Uh, I think once we got through the monologue, there was a lot of fun, a lot of funny and uh, and a really good way to kick off December. OK, of course, uh, we are live right here on Blab.im and we're going to be taking uh, questions from you guys. You could post them in the chat. We should be able to uh, see them as we go along. Or if you want to post a more formal question, you could do that by typing in slash Q and typing your question there and uh, we'll be answering your questions as we go along and rich why don't we just jump right into our opening monologue it was the return the second time this season a special message from donald and melania trump yeah we kick off the christmas uh holiday themed with a christmas message as we said last year a recent tradition in snl uh is that usually the last of the december episodes was the christmas episode and in the last three years they've made all three december episodes christmas episodes so we kick off with uh, uh the return of what we first saw in the season premiere with Miley Cyrus, which was Taryn and Donald, and to me, a very welcome addition, Cecily Strong as Melania Trump. I find it odd that we've gone to Melania Trump all three times that we've had, uh, including when Donald Trump was in the Oval Office as himself. The times that Donald Trump has been seen on screen as Donald Trump, all three times we've seen Melania. And I feel like that we don't see a ton of Melania in the actual real life version of Donald Trump. Oh, most definitely. I mean, I think taking out, you know, the real life Donald Trump, because that was such an atypical episode. I think this has been really good because it gives the writers a sort of second joke structure that they can do. What I've really liked with the Melania Trump character is she can say things, meaning them earnestly and taking them at face value, knowing that the audience will take it in the exact opposite way, which I think goes very well with the Trump character, which is obviously just saying ridiculous things, big, exaggerated things. So it, I, I like that they've given themselves sort of a, a Burns and, and Gracie, uh, sort of a Gracie Allen kind of r- rapport here. I don't know that it worked fantastically but but i like the way that they've set this up and i thought there was definitely some funny stuff in here all right so donald trump gives us his nice list and his naughty list rich was that too on the nose for you Oh, no, no. I I thought this was fun. I thought especially we're kicking off the Christmas season. We're jumping right into it. I thought this was a nice way to frame a couple of jokes. Um, I really liked, uh, you know, when they talked about the nutcracker Hillary, uh, you know, again, this is where I thought the Melania character worked, worked really well when she was just like, you know, she's so nice. She called us. She said, I can't believe you're going to be the nominee. Please make this happen. She's so sweet. Like, I just thought absolutely like that's what I love about this kind of writing. So uh, I thought it was an interesting way to frame basically just a series of running jokes about Mark Zuckerberg and about the polls and stuff. So I thought it was I, I thought for the most part, it worked pretty well as a, a sort of structure to get us through the jokes. Yeah, I thought this was fun. They kept it pretty short, it felt like. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And I thought that was good. I felt 
bad for uh, for both of them when I the last joke about uh, him with Santa when he said I don't trust anyone who could fly over a wall and it just sat there and then it was live from New York at Saturday night I my heart. And I bonded with them and in, in, in like, <gasps> I don't know if that was a last minute ad. I don't know if the, the, the studio audience for the rehearsal thought it was hilarious. Um, but that, that was sort of tough, but they are seasoned pros and they just sort of plowed right through, which was great. All right. So we come out of the monologue or we come out of the cold open and go into the monologue and here is Ryan Gosling. And we have an appearance of Mike Myers back here on SNL and it was last year also that he did the Dr. Evil cold open, correct? Yes, during the Amy Adams, ironically, also in the Christmas block, the December 20th episode, he came back. And then we saw him again in the 40th anniversary, or I don't remember what, yeah, 40th anniversary came afterwards. So it feels like Mike Myers is making an effort to re-ingratiate himself. I think there was a long time where, at least according to the oral histories and such, he was too cool for SNL, um, supposedly. And it, now it clearly seems like he's trying to sort of put himself back in. And I mean, I don't know that I would say this was the most hilarious bit of writing, but he's solid. I mean, you know, he just brings it. He is a true alumni. He's still very funny. I don't know if it captured the same magic that it captured, you know, back 20 years ago, but I thought he, he still has it. All right. Well, I'm sure that we're going to have some strong opinions from James Keast. When we talk to him, I'm sure Scott St. Pierre in the chat We'll also have some strong opinions on whether or not uh, the Canadians in the audience enjoyed the Ryan Gosling musical number. Yes, I would also be very interested in what the ladies had to say about Ryan Gosling or the gay men. I don't want to put prejudice. Um, there was something about he was shaved. His hair was shorter. I don't know if I was uh, surprised. Uh, uh, I didn't think he was as handsome as sort of classic Ryan Gosling, crazy, sexy, cool Ryan Gosling. But it could be me. Maybe I'm just uh, losing it. I'm not sure. So I'd be very interested to find out. Well, you think Ryan Gosling has uh, lost a few miles off the fastball? I, you know what? I, I think it was just the, the style. His fastball. I, I think it was just the style of what he happened. To, the the grooming. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I'm very good question. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> it was a little bit like oh, he didn't seem as hot as he used to be. Which uh, maybe it was just me. I don't know. It was not peak hotness, Ryan Gosling. Exactly. Exactly. He was not peak hotness. Not that he can't be there again. Okay, uh, yeah. Scott St. Pierre in the chat, uh, who is, of course, a, uh, a a notable Canadian. He says best opening ever. So the <laughs> Canadian audience is thumbs up. Okay, well, sure, let's go with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought this was, you know, it, I thought it, it it took us a bit to get there where he's pretending to be New York. I do feel like he didn't do enough uh, enough of a New York accent to totally get what he was going for. When Cecily says, you sound like Phil Rizzuto from the money store, A, love that reference, but B, I, I don't think that he actually sound in any way like Phil Rizzuto of the money store. <laughs> Holy uh, cow. <laughs> so, uh, so that was a little odd to me, but, uh, but it took us a bit to get into it. And then I thought it was very cute. It looked like they were having a good time together. Um, you know, I was, I was ready to see what was to come next. Yeah, it did go on for a very long time. The musical that number. It did. Yeah. Yes, that it did. Yes. And my, how about Mike Myers, though, in the full uh, tap dance? I mean, Mike Myers is, uh, I guess, pretty spry still. Yeah, Mike. I mean, the big news is that Mike Myers was clearly bringing it. He was not sort of doing a pop in just to show his face. I mean, he really was uh, he was trying to bring his A game to make this happen. So uh, very interesting. OK. Anything else from the monologue you want to touch on? No, no. I you know, good for the Canadians. <laughs> All right. So then uh, coming out of the monologue, we had a commercial for a new dating website, uh, which is called Settle, where you are basically just matched up with somebody. You're getting older and uh, you can't swipe left. And uh, he's good enough. Yeah. Now, this is a particular style of commercial parody, which is one of my favorites, which is the actually inventing a product that sort of should be in the world for comic purposes. Uh, when I've written, uh, you know, uh, myself, I, this is sort of my bread and butter. I love this. And I thought this was great. Looking at this season sort of in this uh, world so far, we've had ability for Republican uh, candidates, the hands-free selfie stick, Mitchell's fake cocaine, and Aaron's list for sex offenders handymen. I thought 
this one settle without maybe didn't have a lot of huge big jokes. I thought it was very funny. I really thought they did a good job with this. A lot of the specifics to it were really good. To me, it was very reminiscent of uh, one of my favorites, which was 24-hour energy drink for dating actresses. Um, <laughs> it had a lot of feelings of that, which was great. And definitely a lot of really funny little nuances, like when Vanessa Bayer says, we're getting married in April, which is before my sister. I thought that was absolutely funny and uh, and a couple other things we can talk about. But I, I, I thought it was really good. No, I really like this as well. Although I felt like the last joke, I thought also uh, was another one that fell flat at the ending. Yeah, it, it wasn't a heightened joke. So it was I mean, I thought you could have ended you know, with it when they do the card settle and the tagline is tick tock. I thought that was so perfect. You could have ended there um, or even Vanessa's the, the tagline for the company, which is remember, it's not giving up. It's settling up. So I, I thought there were a lot of lot of funny in this. Definitely. Right. Uh, yeah. Who is the, the last guy? Is it is it Beck Bennett or Kyle Mooney? It was Kyle Mooney. Kyle Mooney. And he says that, uh, well, you know, I'm usually in bed by this time. I just felt like yeah. that uh, wasn't a, a super strong ending joke to yeah. close out this thing. Especially when you had to the Taron Killam character who was, you know, the whole thing about how he's a manager of a Petco. And like there was just a lot. <laughs> he drives a smart car. They mm-hmm. really set him up so well as sort of that like Ugh, and him kissing Vanilla with the open mouth was just just really funny. So uh, I, li- I like this one a lot. OK, so the sketch that I've been seeing uh, buzzed about the most is probably this first live sketch after yes. the monologue. And it is the sketch where people have been brought in after being abducted by aliens. Yes. So this is our sketch where uh, really almost the entire cast starts to lose it. I mean, uh, I think for any SNL fan, this definitely rang almost to the level of Debbie Downer in the classic, you know, May 2004 episode, uh, which was one of the funniest uh, things of of them sort of laughing. Uh, Nobody broke as bad, but it was great, especially people like like, you know, we're going to see a pattern with our friend Ryan Gosling that obviously he's got the giggles, um, but like Bobby very rarely breaks and 80 very rarely breaks. So this I think there was a lot of fun to this that uh, you're seeing people laugh who very rarely laugh, which was a lot of fun. And what I liked about this is we've had times in the past where it's like they're breaking, but it's like it's not that funny what they're cracking up about. It's almost like that they're breaking about like an inside joke. But I felt like that the breaking was directly tied to the Kate McKinnon performance in this sketch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to me, uh, and again, because I have to nerd out everything to me on SNL and live TV, you've got three levels of breaking and you sort of earn, uh, you know, the, the, the worst level is either the, the fake break or the lean into the break to get attention, which is the Justin Bieber level. Then you, the second level is when they're laughing, but it, they haven't earned it. The, the jokes are not funny enough, you know, to the audience that we're not laughing with them, which was a lot of the Jimmy Fallon, Horatio. Sands later in their run where they were breaking at things that weren't funny enough. This kind of hits that Stefan level where the jokes are funny enough and the situation and the mood and the energy is funny enough that we're laughing with them and, and we want to see them break even though they're not supposed to and they're trying not to. So, And I, I think you're right. The writing on this was super strong. This was written by Kate McKinnon with Mikey Day from the Groundlings and Streeter Seidel. Uh, the three of them wrote this, which they discussed on Twitter. And I thought the the writing just the 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 word choices that they gave her Kate McKinnon some of it was just so fun and so funny it was uh, and watching it a second time it just really just kept making me laugh over and over again yeah as it was happening it was like wow this is re- this is really really fun because uh, if you didn't see the sketch uh, you had uh, Cecily and then uh, Ryan Gosling. They had a very positive experience with being abducted by the aliens. And uh, Kate McKinnon was either on a different floor or abducted by different yeah. aliens. And uh, her experience <laughs> was very negative. And just just even like the way she was like smoking the cigarette. It was just so really funny. so funny. It was such a character piece. I mean, this is the kind of thing you could have seen as a monologue and weekend update shoehorned into something. But this worked so well. And the word choice when she talked about how she instead of getting a bathrobe made of light she was what was it like she was in her shirt but no pants she was full porky pig in a big dome and like just everything about her was a cuckoo or something just everything about it was just so well crafted and worded and just everyone was laughing it was really great 
Yeah, she does the whole big thing about uh, the aliens inappropriately uh, touching her. But she said that she felt like it was not a sanctioned thing. It was the kind of thing where it seemed like it was uh, definitely the higher ups were not in the know about this because there was one guy who was kind of like the lookout, like making sure nobody was coming. And even her little aside of, hey, it wasn't my worst Wednesday. I, I just like just the little asides that they threw was great. We said, I don't think I, I don't think I was dealing with the top brass, like just such great wording. It really worked super well. Rich, do you think there's any way they could do this sketch again or is this a complete one off? So, you know, it, what I think people forget about Debbie Downer is that they did Debbie Downer. I want to say three, maybe even four times. And it never captured. I mean, this is lightning in a bottle. This is not Stefan. This is you're not going to get the same thing. So I really do hope that this is a one and done. And we just go, boy, that worked well, gets a little bit of buzz. Everyone has a good time and move on. Uh, If you're going to try to do this again, do it different premise, different character. You know, let it be a Kate McKinnon show and see if she can get people to break. But don't do Aliens V2 because that'll start to feel very stale very quickly. Like, what should it be? She's with like two other people that had their houses haunted. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A whole new premise. And now we're hearing about, you know, the haunted house. Exactly. That would be hilarious. Okay. Rob, we should get you a writing job in SNL. Oh. You already got it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love Good. it. I'm available. All right. Yeah. Uh, but that was very, very fun. I really uh, did enjoy yes. that. Okay. Uh, then uh, we had a, another uh, pre taped piece. Uh, and this was, <laughs> I, I don't know, it was called Santa Baby, but yes. it was uh, really w- out there. Yes. So this was actually written by Vanessa Bayer with another writer, Jeremy Beilier. Beiler, I don't know if I'm saying his name, formerly of Amy Schumer. Um, I will say this. I loved the first two thirds of this piece. I thought it built super well. I loved the way they layered it seems like a, a couple that's just being a little cutesy with the Santa jokes. Then we start to realize they really believe Santa is real. And then it sort of becomes this natural born killers relationship. So it kept twisting and turning and building our expectations for me personally. Once we got to that sort of natural born killers mode, it then stayed there for a long time and it didn't evolve again. And it just sort of, I, I was ready for it to be over. Um, but that's just me. I, I, but I, uh, up until that point, I thought there was a lot of funny in this. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a pretty fun, uh, sketch overall. I mean, I was just really curious about the whole time. Like, Hey, where's it going? Where's it going? Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, are they, are they just like, uh, obsessed with Santa? I liked, uh, Santa at the end. Uh, I, yes. you know, I did like it that, you know, Beck Bennett comes downstairs as Santa Claus and they don't realize that it's the same, <laughs> that it's the <laughs> same guy. So I, I think that you're right. I think it was a little, you know, they could have trimmed it down a bit, but overall I felt like this was pretty fun. Yeah. And I will say, uh, you know, I think Ike is, uh, in the chat room is asking the question to make, would this have worked better later in the show, given sort of the tone and the creepiness? And I say, yes, I think, uh, I think the, and I, and I think I know, uh, a couple of things we'll talk about, but I think you definitely would have normally seen this post update. I think at 1245, you know, maybe even right before the good nights. Rich is uh, frozen up. Let me try to see if I can bring in James. I'm good, Rob. How are you? Good. We Rich has been preempted. So I figure uh, why don't we jump in, jump in with you and uh, talk about uh, what was going on with some of the music on the show. First off, James, uh, what did you think of the uh, Ryan Gosling uh, Canadian anthem with Mike Myers? Uh, well, I didn't love the anthem. I have to say I was quite surprised to see Bonham show up. That's uh, a, a pretty specific. That was real? Yeah, Bonham's a real thing. <laughs> uh, it's particularly French-Canadian, so more Montreal-Quebec than in Ontario and the rest of the country, which is why I was surprised. It's not obscure, but it's pretty specific. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I thought that that was uh, uh, pretty... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny i thought it was just a made-up thing i liked ryan gosling's line about the song being written by americans because i think that's how a lot of canadians feel about the you know the a boot jokes and things like that yeah but you know we've sort of accepted that this is our comedy persona yeah i didn't know ryan gosling was canadian before this episode i mean they really drove it home in this snl episode and maybe you know that was something he wanted to call attention to but no i, I hadn't heard that before yeah there you go we have a lot of stealth canadians <laughs> stealth canadians <laughs> why who's somebody else who's the other who's the number one stealth canadian that people don't know uh, 
Uh, well, the number one, I don't know who you don't know is Canadian. I assumed people knew Ryan Gosling was. What's his co-star's name in The Notebook? Uh, she's also Canadian. Rachel McAdams? Rachel McAdams is also okay. Canadian. I did not know that. Kiefer Sutherland, go. Scott St. Pierre is saying also. Also, and Donald. Yes, wow. So that's how that works. <laughs> who knew? American hero Jack Bauer, Canadian. Yeah. Who knew? Uh, all right. So, uh, Rich, uh, we lost you for a second. So we brought in uh, James and figured why, why don't sure. we jump into uh, talking music and then we'll come back and talk about the uh, the 80 Bryant sure. uh, birthday party sketch. Uh, after. Absolutely. So, uh, James, what was your take on Leon Bridges? Uh, I'm a big Leon Bridges fan. He basically sort of burst onto the scene this year. He's crazy young. He's like 22 years old or something. Uh, and he was basically only discovered about two years ago. He was uh, washing dishes in Fort Worth, Texas and doing little local shows. And uh, somebody saw him and said, you should make a record. And 18 months later, he's on Saturday Night Live. Wow. Yeah. I think a lot of people, their first thought is like, how much of this is put on? And I understand that. But everything that I know about Leon Bridges is that this this is just who he is, the whole... Sam Cook throwback, skinny ties, you know, shiny suits, like all of it is just his own sort of sensibility and his own style. And, and, you know, so I don't think this is a marketing ploy, even though you look at it and go, how is this young person here in 2015? So overall... Uh, first song, did you like it? Uh, it's called Smooth Sailing. I, I like the song and I thought it was a really great performance. It really brought out, you know, sort of what he does well and really presents like, if you like what he's doing, you, that's what you're going to get from the record. And that's what you're going to get probably for his whole career. So it's very clearly like, okay, we're in a very retro Motown, Sam Cooke kind of world. And if that's where you want to be, then that's where Leon Bridges is going to take you. Rich, were you a Leon Bridges guy? I was not. I liked it. I mean, I, I probably like, a, you know, a Bruno Mars much more. I thought it was interesting. I'm not a music person, but I thought I loved the sound of him. But it was interesting to see this kind of person in 2015 do this kind of song, but vocally not push it to a big level like his he I was waiting for him to do his big Adele moment and just start wailing and that in neither song did he do that so I thought not bad but just different than I thought uh, I definitely like the second song more than I like the first song it might have been the performance though but but very interesting very cool guy all right what about the second number James uh, the, so the second one was River and I agree with you Rich I thought this was the real knockout of the night and it's more akin to what you'll get from his record and I think what he wants to do moving forward the more sort of gospel tinge uh, with the with the backing choir and and a little bit of a you know clearly a you know religious sort of thematic material in fact he grew up in a very religious household and when his mother found out that he was you know had had written songs and and was going to record a record she asked if it was secular music that he was making and was disappointed with the answer that in fact some of it was so that's sort of the level of you know sort of religious background and where he's coming from and i think that's partly why he seemed to really bring the sort of the emotional weight to the to the second song and i think that's probably where he's gonna find a lane moving forward well i will definitely add him to a spotify playlist and check out the album uh, I, it's I, good enough it, to check it out it's really good i think you'll like it cool all right next week chris hemsworth is the host who's the musical guest next week james chance the rapper who is a, a kind of a, an unusual choice for saturday night live he's certainly a, more on the underground tip and uh, should be really fun. He's kind of known for doing a lot of interesting and experimental things. And so I couldn't guess what he might be doing. And uh, and that's exciting. All right. And what's, you know, hasn't there been like 10 times more hip hop in the last two or three years than there's ever been on SNL before? Yeah, they've been leaning into hip hop way more in the last few years, I think, uh, than they used to. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make you happy, James? They're listening to the podcast. Good. Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, we will uh, be back to talk uh, more. Ho- hopefully, if uh, if, if James, uh, can ma- James can make he's got a busy schedule, I know, the next couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Hopefully, we'll be able to work it out. Hopefully, we can work it out. All right. You can follow James on Twitter. He's at Exclaim Editor. Hope you're doing good, buddy. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. All right. Rich, let's dive back into talking about the birthday party uh, sketch with A.D. Bryant, which we've now seen uh, at least a couple times. This is what, the third time out for the sketch? 
Um, I know that's definitely the second time. I mean, we saw this. It premiered uh, two years ago uh, it, when Drake hosted uh, and he played Sashir's dad and an 80 sort of, uh, you know, leads into it. Uh, we also saw sort of a shade of 80s character last last episode with the first got horny to you when she was uh, getting it on to one of the cast of the dinosaurs. Yes. Uh, so so not a new character, but definitely a re- we haven't seen it super recently. If anyone remembers differently, uh, you know, certainly call it out but i don't think so um so interesting to see this back um nothing new here um but i think that 80 is just very funny doing this uh you know very sort of uh we get it uh you know no big surprises here some of the writing was very funny uh for me and i thought that was funny uh and the ending was a surprisingly big physical piece that i thought 80 did very well so i thought this was fun yeah i (laughs) I did like it that I felt like it was a little bit of a twist that um, the dad is really like catching on to exactly what she's talking yes. about a lot quicker. Uh, which talking about like how she's uh, really she's really dirty uh, and she gave the whole school ringworm uh, again. Yes. I thought that was, you know, it's a very disturbing sketch, but, uh, you know, it really is pretty funny. Yeah. Even when she's like, is it Halloween? Cause your dad got tricked and I got a treat. And he's like, I can hear you, Melanie. Like, I like it just calls it out very well, which was very fun. I think the first time around the whole premise was something about, she was like, actually like, 23 locked in a 13 year old girl's body or there was some weird premise at the end so this was just straight out full out weird 13 year old girl hitting on the dad um but which i in a way was just sort of cleaner for me i thought it was fun okay uh let's talk about weekend update and rich i thought that this was a uh a tough weekend update uh specifically talking about for uh colin and michael i i felt like that they got out of the gate and i felt like that they were just like swinging and missing over and over and over again on most of the jokes coming out of the gate yeah i agree i think this was a tougher week for them uh i thought early on i liked when they were talking about ben carson i think was in syria talking to refugees and he said most people i talk to don't want to come here and they said yeah because they asked the question where are you from i thought that was a good setup but then the whole thing about the guns are out of control so we defunded planned parenthood I, I didn't feel like the guys brought the heat to sort of sell that uh, and, and back and forth. And there wasn't enough rhythm to get anything going here. So I agree. I was I was really looking forward to our first correspondent because I, I, I felt like this was a, a definitely tougher, uh, a tougher outing for two guys who have not had a great batting average so far anyway. I mean, there was a couple of jokes where it was like you could kind of hear a pin drop after like there was almost like a smattering of laughs. And that was it. Yes. Yeah. A couple of times that was just like, ooh. so uh, I thought a, a tough outing and uh, and I just I, I want to be connecting with Michael Che more. And uh, when he's hilarious, he is hilarious. But, you know, Colin, I think, is getting away with more. I think he's building up a little bit more rapport with the audience that when he sort of has a bomb, we're still with him. Or I feel like when Michael Che has a bomb, we're neutral to him. We, we don't dislike mm-hmm. him, but we're still neutral to him. And that's tough. Uh, so I, my heart goes out to Michael Che. Uh, obviously, he's a consummate professional who's making it work. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was tough for me, too. Like the Jeb Bush running mate joke of uh, the women uh, not wanting to be on a sinking ship. Like it just really it was just like like flatline. Yeah. Yeah. Couple of couple of tough ones there, no question. Yes. All right. So then we have uh, Cecily come out as one of our correspondents. Cecily really all over this episode. So yeah, she gets a lot of airtime tonight. Um, she is the uh, her name is uh, Jill Davenport, and she is a columnist for Glamour magazine. She's supposed to be talking about gadgets this holiday season, but she does not. She just kind of comes out and uh, flirts with Colin the whole time. What did you think of this character? Uh, I liked it a lot. I mean, it's interesting. This is the first episode of the season that we had Cecily Strong doing a character on Weekend Update. Um, we haven't seen um, the girl you wish and gotten to a gotten to a conversation with a party since the towards the end of last season with Reese Witherspoon uh, and the one dimensional female character from a male driven comedy. It was like almost a year ago now. I think she's very good at this. Uh, you know, my wife was laughing and saying, oh, they absolutely did not take this far enough that, you know, in, a, in as a compliment that this is absolutely on the money for so many women uh, out there. Uh, I thought she sold it very well. I thought Colin played it 
very well as far as sort of being a little bit neutral, but not kind of opaque neutral. Um, I like that she asked for his coat having, and he's like, didn't you just take your coat off uh, a lot? So there, I thought there was a lot of funny things in this that I thought, um, I don't know that I need to see it again super soon, but uh, I, I generally thought this was a really fun character. I liked it a lot. I was getting a little hung up on uh, who is this character supposed to be? I know she's a reporter for Glamour Magazine. I didn't know if this was making fun of Glamour Magazine or this was just um, a, a a woman who just happened to work at Glamour Magazine. Did you get a take on that? I mean, my take on it was that it's a type and it is that. And I think that the, 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 uh, the, the, the position was perfect of sort of like suppose, you know, supposedly a real job, at glamor magazine kind of being this throwaway kind of like woman who's just trying to flirt, probably lives in New York city, having gone to college at NYU or something. And, and just, you know, just sort of like, uh, you know, not really taking the job seriously. I, I feel like this is definitely a type. It's definitely a type in Los Angeles. I suspect that it's also a type in New York City and probably everywhere. So uh, I, I, it worked for me as far as the whole sort of package. All right. Then we have on the second person to come in. It is the return of Anthony Crispino to Weekend Update. So Anthony's showing up oddly in the exact same position as last season, the first episode of the Christmas December show. So we're exactly a year that we see Anthony Crespino. You know, as I said last year, and I've always said as much as I love Bobby, this character is so mad libsy without having a lot of moves to kind of get out of the mad libs that I can get kind of bored by this. Um, I loved that that Bobby, I think, uh, just completely spur of the moment without planning it, was very physical with Colin Jost really grabbing him and going, I'm just breaking your balls. I'm breaking balls. And that kind of that energy was good that he kept grabbing him and sort of shaking him. Uh, you know, a lot of the jokes I thought were very, uh, a very, you know, okay, we get it. Oh, sting. And the, oh, the police was removed. Oh, okay. Um, and then when he basically says, oh, my friend is here, I had visions of, oh, it's going to be drunker uncle. It's going to be get in the cage with Nick Cage. Like, oh, I don't love that. But I thought that the, even if the writing wasn't great, I thought him and Ryan Gosling were very good together. I thought the energy and the chemistry and the fun they were having together really elevated some decent jokes into what I thought was a very fun time. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's nothing if you read it on paper that you would crack up on, but no, I always uh, am smiling when it's on. Although I, I do think that the high pitch thing at the end, I feel like uh, does wear on me. Uh, they did yes. the gag with the tea kettle and, uh, <laughs> you know, this, this is the very Mad Libsy part of a lot of the Bobby Moynihan characters that the, the high pitch, I think that they jumped the shark, uh, you know, two times ago, season 37, when it actually went to a, you know, a, a you know, a, a, a um, you know, a, a needle drop of a, an incredibly high pitch. And I think now it's just kind of silly. The two of them doing it together was kind of fun. We could have dropped it way earlier. Um, but, but overall, I mean, as you're right on paper, the movie Star Wars and the four Jamaicans is not necessarily <laughs> funny. But when they did it, I thought it was funny. Charlie Sheen's got the HBO again on paper. Not that funny, but it really, really made it laugh. You know, really made me laugh. All right. So then after Weekend Update, uh, we do a sketch where Ryan Gosling is being interviewed, not for Glamour magazine, but for GQ magazine by Cecily. Yeah, very odd that she's just, she's a magazine writer. Um, yeah, I thought this was probably my least favorite sketch of the night although i will say it was fun to see kyle mooney who typically plays very subtle characters or very bizarre characters play as sort of interesting in the middle uh, a bizarre character but sort of a little bit more grounded um the premise was all very silly i wonder how much this was ryan gosling saying hey at some point if i could do a little singing and dancing that would be great but uh but not not a necessity you know it was it was sort of whatever yeah, kyle mooney was supposed to be like the school bully but by the end of the sketch did you get did was kyle mooney's character actually the bully in the school no it was very unclear it was very unclear that it, and he sort of has this break down and I didn't quite it was never quite clear what their relationship was so uh, you know it, I would say it was a funny performance piece for the two of them um, but nothing that we're going to be talking about in a week Okay. anything else we're going to be talking about 
in the immediate future with this? Uh, no, no. I think, uh, you know, again, it's post update. They're taking chances better this than seeing girlfriends talk show or some other sort of just go to the well one more time. So I, I you know, I'm sort of good with that. All right. So then we had a commercial for the Nespresso, uh, that features, uh, George Clooney and Danny DeVito. Uh, this is based on a real commercial, uh, that they have uh, George Clooney and uh, Danny DeVito talking about this coffee maker. And I would say probably uh, <laughs> not a ton of jokes along the way other than just like calling out how absurd this coffee maker commercial is. But I did think this was pretty fun. Yeah, I th- this is in my so far my focus group of four. So it's very scientific. Uh, if you had not seen this Nespresso commercial before, it, this was not funny. And then seeing the Nespresso commercial and going back and seeing this, it's still not funny. If like me, you've seen this commercial a hundred times <laughs> and it has not made sense to you <laughs> once in those 100 times, I say huge thank you to SNL for doing this. <laughs> I agree. It wasn't that funny. It was basically a shot for shot recreation, <laughs> except with Danny DeVito saying the things that he should have been saying. Uh, you know, the impressions weren't stellar, <laughs> but I thought some of the facial expressions that Aaron Killam were great. Uh, Bobby, I thought, brought great energy to it. And I just I, so to me, this was just like. Thank you that someone is making fun of this dumb commercial that makes no sense that Nespresso must have spent millions of dollars to have. Yeah, I mean, Rich, uh, would you rather a, a George Clooney Nespresso or a Sofia Vergara Ninja? Ooh, ooh. I'm, well, I'm going to go with the the George Clooney. I'm taking I'm taking George. Really? Who, who, by the way, has now done a series of these commercials. So he's he's the Nespresso guy. Yeah. Well, is he not doing well, George Clooney? I'm thinking that that you know what they they have a huge trademark store uh, on Rodeo Drive, and and I mean the real estate's got to be through the roof. I don't know anything about the financial bookkeeping of Nespresso or who the parent company is or if they're laundering drug money through pods of coffee but they have got money they are all in and they are going top drawer this is their they're sparing no expense in everything they do so good on them but this this really made me laugh uh, i thought this was very fun yeah i mean i could do a whole podcast on the genesis of how do they get to you can afford george clooney it's like we blew our our whole budget on clooney like who else could we get for the other guy like uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I guess Danny, we can afford Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, did Danny DeVito direct it? Is that how they got him? It was very, yeah, it was, yeah, but yeah. Is the Bobby Moynihan, Danny DeVito becoming a thing? This is two episodes in a row now where Bobby Moynihan is doing Danny DeVito. Oh, when did he do Danny DeVito last in time? In Star Wars uh, auditions. Oh, right, is the ball. Right, right, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, and by the way, I love his impression. It is actually not a particularly good impression. It's just him doing a Danny DeVito type, but uh, I. It, it, to me, it's it's what I love about Bobby, and I and I was in from minute one to the end. Scott St. Pierre says he loves his Nespresso machine. It's uh, I I have had it, and it's it's very good. Yeah, I've got my wife pushing me to get the Ninja. I haven't seen the Ninja. Ah, uh, there's infomercials. So <laughs> that's the Sofia Vergara. Uh, ver- I, I know what you're talking yeah. about, but I don't really know much about it. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, we had the deleted scene from the Wiz. Did you watch the Wiz this week, Rich? I didn't even know that it was on. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Not watching a lot of NBC these days other than Saturday Night Live. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, The Wiz was on, did good ratings, and this is the third year in a row they've done the NBC musical. We actually talked about it a little bit on uh, most shows recapped the other day. Uh, Mike Bloom is a big uh, musical theater guy, and uh, he uh, gave us a report on uh, The Wiz. So we had the deleted scene where Ryan Gosling plays the Scarecrow uh, in The Wiz. Uh, Yeah, and I will guess, I don't know anything, I did not find anything online, that this was a sketch that was going to be post-monologue. I suspect we were going to see a lot of production value, a lot of makeup, very topical, all the makings of a early 1145 kind of sketch for SNL. Uh, And I'm assuming that uh, it... uh, it performed about as well as it did last night during the live show. And so they decided to keep it. It's not an unfunny bit uh, and moved it down to late in the evening's run. Um, I liked the premise. Um, I actually thought a lot of the jokes were good. I would actually say that for me, there was nothing to say that I disliked about the sketch. I just, there wasn't much that I particularly loved about it. Yeah. Um, 
I will also say huge props to Ryan Gosling. This at one point was basically tanking and Ryan kept up his performance at 10 the whole time, which for someone who doesn't do live TV is a pretty big deal. He didn't try to bail. He didn't dial it down. He didn't start to giggle unnecessarily, even though we did see him kind of breaking in a couple of other sketches. So good on him for staying in this down to the end. And there were some funny jokes in there. Yeah, I agree with you that I feel like that this is a great production value and we got everything there and it's a funny idea of, okay, here's the scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz showing up in the Wiz, but they had nowhere to ultimately go with it. Yes. Yeah. All right. And uh, yeah, I thought that Ryan Gosling did do a very good job as, as the scarecrow. Very convincing. All right. The last sketch of the night was the uh, return of Santa's naughty elves. Yeah. I'm not sure who was saying, you know what America wants is more of the <laughs> naughty elves. Like we really owe it to them. But I will say this uh, for people who may not remember, we saw last season uh, in the in the second episode of the Christmas run when Louis C.K. hosted. Uh, we saw the naughty elves, Vanessa and, and Keenan. Uh, when we saw it last year, it was actually the post monologue sketch. So very early in the evening, we're seeing it again in a much more appropriate place. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought it worked well. This is also the sketch that last year ended with Louis being like, text your feeling of how it should end to with some fake number in a very bizarre sort of play. Um, I thought that this worked better, sort of the closure, Bobby as Santa and then Mrs. Claus. Um, again, I, I just think this is an interesting performance. It's so dumb but they are but vanessa and keenan did make me giggle it tickled me the same way that it tickled me a year ago ryan gosling did a very nice job i thought it was very funny so uh you know so uh, overall interesting um a, a good twelve fifty five sketch yeah uh ike moore in the chat wants to know uh which one did you think was funnier this one or the louis ck one well, I mean, I would say as written, I thought this one was funnier. I thought it was tighter. I thought that it was cleaner. Of course, this one, we didn't have the element of surprise in the Louis one as an audience. We're like, where is this going? And then there's that aha moment of like, mm-hmm. oh, they're going dark. This one, we kind of knew as soon as we saw it. But I would say pound for pound, I would put this one. I thought this was funnier. Yeah, I feel like I enjoyed this one more, but I'd have to go back and listen to that podcast to see what I thought about the Louis C.K. version. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is funny. Uh, I always feel like that uh, Vanessa and Keenan are always a good pair when they put them they together. Are. They they have very good energy together. And uh, and and the Bobby energy, I thought, worked very well with them as well. And again, hard for Bobby because he's not acting with them. He's on another soundstage. He cannot visually see them. He sees them on a monitor. Uh, so he's got cue cards. He's got people acting on an, on the other side of the stage. Uh, and the same for them. And uh, and so I thought this the timing and the energy did flow very well, given the logistics of making this happen. OK, Rich, at the end of the night, everybody comes out. We get our goodbyes. What was your take on the goodbyes for the Ryan Gosling episode? Uh, interesting. I would say uh, it was interesting to watch Ryan. It was uh, watching the full little hard to see. He had a very pleasant hug with Taron Killam, all the, which at first I thought was odd. Then I realized actually he and Taron Killam didn't actually interact very much in the show at all. So whatever. Uh, he was very pleasant. Leslie Jones back then. And m- my personal favorite was at the end. He comes almost running across the side of the stage to when he sees Bobby Moynihan still dressed as Santa Claus and they give each other a huge hug. I think he almost picked up Bobby. Uh, and it was very sweet. And you could tell, I think, between this last sketch and the Anthony Crispino, like, I just think those two guys had a lot of fun together. Uh, they, you know, the alien sketch. So that was really, really funny and fun. Uh, Bobby and 80 were having a lot of fun dressed as Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus on the side of the stage, which was really fun. Um, and then you had the weird Mike Myers, uh, you know, so as as people might remember from the, the podcast, weird Mike Myers person or the weird Mike Myers moment, the moment. So so as. As many people remember, I was peed uh, off last season when he came and did Dr. Evil and did not stay for the goodbyes, which to me is cardinal rule number one. If you're going to do a cameo, you have to stay and come out for the goodbyes. He did this time. And interestingly, he really almost nobody came over to say hello to him. Uh, you know, he didn't, but I, I almost like it seemed like there was probably something going on. I know Vanessa, I could see at one point did give him a hug. Um, uh, and, and clearly of course, uh, the host Ryan Gosling did early on, but, uh, I do wonder if, uh, you know, they always talk about that. He's very tough to work with. 
with. Um, to me, he's from my core cast. So I, to me, he could be the hugest mm-hmm. the entire week. And I would still want to go over and sort of give him a hug because to me, he is royalty. Um, but he was, I, he seemed a little bit, I don't, I wouldn't say iced out, but I would say ignored. I remember it well from last season. It was a podcast that I wasn't on. I think that I was maybe heading back to New York for Christmas. Uh, and and uh, you, you were on with Mike Bloom and you were uncharacteristically very hard on uh, Mike Myers because of that. Yes. yes, to me, that is it is verboten for anybody but an alumni to not show up for the good nights to me was, is, you know, just inexcusable. I was I was beside myself. So I was very happy that he was here for this. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's take a couple of questions too uh, from our live chat before we uh, sign off for the night. Uh, so Duke Forrest wants to know, can we get a Pete Davidson slash John Rudnitsky report? Well, John Rudnitsky, I mean, unless he was playing that snowman in the monologue, <laughs> he was iced out. He was, I mean, I saw him in the back of the good nights and I was like, oh, right. John Rudnitsky. Now, again, this is a big cast, so that's going to happen. You know, Pete Davidson, clearly not as much, showed up in the settle uh, pre-tape sketch. Um, uh, but other than that, we didn't see a lot of him this week. He's fine. Uh, John Rudnitsky is obviously suffering. Remember the first season of uh, A.D. Bryan as a featured player? We didn't go an episode without seeing A.D. At one point, we went two episodes in a row without seeing A.D. Bryan other than in The Good Nights or in the background as a glorified extra. So uh, write a passage. You got to write your stuff. I mean, it's interesting to look even as senior players. You know, Kate McKinnon probably considered one of the stars. Vanessa Bayer, one of the elder statesmen. They're writing, you know, Vanessa wrote the Santa baby thing. Kate McKinnon wrote the alien thing. It is a show about you got a right to get screen time, no matter how long you've been on the show, unless you're Keenan. So interesting. Okay. Uh, Rich next week, uh, Chris Hemsworth is back. A- anything that we should be looking forward to, uh, anything that stands out in your mind from the original Chris Hemsworth, uh, po- uh sh- show from last year. No, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see if we do another Thor piece we did last year. I think we've probably exhausted that, but they may want to do something like that one more time. I doubt, I think was it they did the He-Men come to life last season, uh, which I I don't think we need to see a second time. Uh, Yeah, I I think that America, for America, this is a a, uh, keep the TV warm for the following week uh, that everyone's excited by. So uh, I actually think Chris Hemsworth's going to catch a little bit of a break in that expectations are going to be low not because of him but because everyone's going to have their eye on tina and amy the following week and i think i think chris could come in and do a really good job here we could see some really funny stuff okay of course yeah that big uh tina fey amy polar show coming up uh in two weeks uh very excited for that i'm sure it'll be a uh one hell of a podcast the sunday after that with Bruce Springsteen, yeah. my question, and I bet Mark in a chat room who broke the news that uh, Springsteen was going to be there before it got announced, is will we get a, uh, a – could we possibly close the show, as sometimes we do with a musical number, which does happen with uh, Bruce and the East Street Band playing Santa Claus is Coming to Town? <laughs> that would be a killer way to go out of 20, 2015. Wow. Okay. We will see. So a lot to uh, check out. If you want to uh, make sure you subscribe through post show recaps, go to postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes for our dedicated SNL feed. You can go to postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys in the comments on postshowrecaps.com. You could follow Rich on Twitter. He is at Rich Tack. I am at Rob Sister. Anything else uh, coming up, Rich? No, a lot, a lot of funny to come the next few weeks. All right, so we'll be back uh, next Sunday night to talk about this all live. If you want to join us here on Blab.im, just keep your heads up for uh, the link to the show on postshowrecaps.com. Later on tonight, if you're joining us live, uh, we are going to have Josh Wiggler and Antonio Mazzaro recapping the season two finale of The Leftovers, which I've uh, come to really enjoy. I've, I've binge-watched uh, all two seasons over the last uh, week or so. And it's very exciting. Uh, So I am excited to watch my first Leftovers episode live. And uh, lots of good stuff on postshowrecaps.com. Great. Very cool. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Thanks so much, uh, James Keast and uh, Scott St. Pierre, for uh, putting this show all together in the end. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.